Country Life, live from the National Ploughing Championships. With Midland Veterinary, a long-established business serving the agri-needs and requirements of the greater Midlands area. Visit midlandvet.ie. We're live from a mucky Rathaneska on day two of the National Ploughing Championships and a great lineup of guests over the course of the next hour. Just numbers in on the attendance today before we start. 71,800 people came to Rathaneska today and enjoyed the muck. It is pretty mucky. Uh, if you were here, you'll know. And if you weren't, uh, you will. Uh, can only imagine, I should say. Uh, there's puddles and pools everywhere. But look, people made the best of it. They're dressed up, wellies are on, and uh, people are in good spirits. Yesterday, with 66,250 so it is down on last year no surprise there but we will see what tomorrow brings now on this evening's programme in a moment Minister Charlie McConlogue will be joining me uh, to have a chat uh, about events in agriculture but uh, we also have the two IFA presidential candidates we have Francie Gorman who you will all know from County Leash and Martin Stapleton from Limerick. They're going to be joining me in about 10 or 12 minutes' time to run through what they will be hoping will be their presidency next year. Later in the programme, I will be speaking to Martin Walsh. He's head of sales for Major Engineering, the Mayo-based company now employing over 100 people since their foundation in 1976. Martin will chat about their line and how certain products fall under TAMS funding, a real success story of Irish agriculture there. Huge, huge business now is down at their stand earlier today. Fantastic products. We'll be talking about those a little bit later. Our programme this evening is brought to you in association with Midland Veterinary Limited, a well-known business serving the agri-needs and requirements of farmers throughout the Midlands. And you can access them on midlandvet.ie. They have premises in Edenderry, Port Arlington and Tullamore. This evening, manager of their Port Arlington branch, Tom Moore, will join me to chat about the business and a special deal they are running for the ploughing week in store. So if you're looking for some good deals on animal products later, please uh, stay tuned and you'll hear Tom speak about those towards the end of the hour. Now, as I said, to start this evening, I'm delighted to be joined by Minister Charlie McConlogue. Minister, thanks for joining us on the programme here on Midlands 103. Good evening, MJ. Good to be with you. Thanks. Uh, you were down at the ploughing yesterday and again today, Minister, and as I said, look mucky, but it didn't dampen spirits. Uh, how have you been finding the mood of people here over the last couple of days? Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly enjoyed the last couple of days and uh, looking forward to t- tomorrow as well. And um, people are very willing to engage and discuss the year we've had. Um, and uh, people very much enjoying the ploughing championships, but it's a really good opportunity, I find, uh, for myself as minister to actually engage with people in all sectors and from, from all parts of the country. So I've, uh, I've, I've both now, when I'm a minister, and previously when I was been a false spokes- opposition spokesperson, um, always spent the three days there. But I suppose uh, just to the start to MJ to to um, congratulate and, and wish um, and, and thank and acknowledge the, the work of all in the National Planning Association, the committee, and the, uh, Anna May McHugh and Anna Marie McHugh, and everyone has put in massive work um, right across the field in terms of preparations over the last couple of days and in terms of managing the, what has been challenging, more challenging conditions this year than we've seen for the last few and also to all of the exhibitors who put such time and effort to go there uh, and it's an important part and opportunity uh, in the year for them and listen i no doubt tomorrow will be a, di- a different day um, the weather sounds looks good and the weather overnight looks good too and as i was leaving yesterday evening um the uh the the team had started to clean up and clear up many of the the tracks and they looked absolutely fantastic 
Um, and uh, but unfortunately, it seemed to be rain overnight last night again, which which undid much of that good work. But I don't think that's going to happen tonight. Um, it, it, it's dry overnight, so I've no doubt the team are working hard um, as we speak in terms of uh, cleaning up what's there. And tomorrow it'll be a very different looking place. So hopefully we'll see a good crowd tomorrow, and particularly for all the, the exhibitors and the many people have taken tents and put big effort into it. Uh, it'll be great to see a, a good crowd there tomorrow too. Yes, very good, Minister. Yeah, and I do uh, <coughs> echo those sentiments. Uh, Trojan work being done, no question about it, to get cars out of these fields over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, Going to start off, Minister, look, the big issue is that of nitrates, and I'll speak about that in a moment. Uh, it's the one that's on the tip of everyone's tongue at the moment. But firstly, I'm going to start with something uh, which I think uh, deserves uh, commendation, and that is getting the National Genotyping Programme up and running and getting it uh, moving from a, a couple of months ago. It's something I've been speaking about in the programme here for the last couple of years, is something we need badly and uh, hopefully it will improve the quality in dairy beef cattle because let's be honest we need it um, it's something you obviously want to get done something you're passionate about is it the uh, suckler farmer blood new minister that wants to see the <laughs> quality of dairy beef calves improve oh um listen uh, you're, you're right mg it, it, it's a big deal and um the uh we've seen the great work that's been ongoing in in, in beef and the suckler side over the last while in terms of the uh, beef data genomics program and the you know genetic improvement we're seeing there and uh we saw it happen in the dairy sector before through the ebi and how that saw massive improvement in terms of the efficiency of our dairy cows over over many years um but there needs to be a real focus now in relation to dairy beef as well and uh and and and, and as well right across all of our sector but particularly in the beef side so it'll be a benefit to our sucklers and to dairy beef um, because what we're going to be and become is the very first country in all in the world to have to genotype our entire national herd so um want to recognize the partnership approach has been taken by all the farm organizations by meat industry ireland by dairy industry ireland um and by ICO, by by the co-ops the dairy co-ops as well in terms of coming together um, to joint fund this and I was very happy as Minister to uh, accept the, the, the Brexit Adjustment Reserve to put very significant funding into this this year um, this coming year to get it up uh, this year to get it up and running and the objective is to make sure that we have the genetic data on every animal and what the, the bottom line as to what that will mean then is it means whenever farmers are buying an animal or purchasing a calf or purchasing a bullock or a wheeling or anything else uh, but particularly a younger animal which hasn't shown its credentials yet um, they'll know what they're purchasing they'll know the performance and the genetics behind that and, and the, the money that they're likely to make out of it and what it'll see is much much better animals produced um, it'll, it'll eradicate many of the, the poor breeding we see where farmers don't some, in some cases don't pay enough attention particularly in the dairy sector to the, the beef merit of, our, of, our, of the animals they're producing and bottom line it's going to mean better profitability and better margins uh, for farmers across the board so um, really looking forward to, to stepping that out Obviously, being involved in it from the outset, Minister, and speaking to all the powers that be and the, the different people who are involved in it, how long do you think it'll take? Obviously, look, breeding is something, it's not going to happen overnight, but how many years do you think it will take to start getting that real quality through and to see the benefits of this scheme? Uh, I, so, we've entered into a five-year programme, a five-year contract, whereby uh, it's been co-funded. The biggest part of the funding has been put up by myself as a minister in the department this year, but then the dairy industry and the meat industry are going to partner um, then in terms of uh, with farmers really importantly in terms of co-funding um, it over the next number of years and everyone is going to benefit from this but ultimately particularly the, the farmers who are rearing animals and finishing animals will, will benefit so I think over the next five years we'll make massive progress um, the first step is genotyping all the breeding animals in the country and we'll see that done over hopefully over the next uh, next two three years um, and then uh, get to the stage where all animals are being genotyped and I, I think 
when farmers start to see the benefit and um, when they go to sell their animals, regardless of what age they're selling them, see, see the demand for them being, being much better and the price being paid much better based on the fact that they have high genetic merit, then we'll see real big attention being paid to the type of breeding and the type of an- the beef animals and breeding that's being used and, um, and, and, and see that make a real impact in relation to the quality of animals. Yeah, fingers crossed, Minister. And uh, as I said, uh, it was something I was speaking about in the programme. A lot of people were talking about it, and it is done. And uh, hopefully we will see we will see uh, huge benefits as a result of it, no question about it. And moving on uh, to the area of nitrates. And look, obviously I'm going to ask you about nitrates as a result of the movement down to 220 uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. And uh, look, dairy farmers, I suppose I'm just going to say it as I see it, Minister. Dairy farmers encouraged to expand over the last number of years. Then over the last year, 18 months, we had banding introduced, we changed changes in slurry exportation rules, now we have nitrates. They feel the goalposts are being moved, they're disgruntled, they're a little disillusioned. I was speaking to dairy farmers today. Uh, it's hard to blame them and their profitability is being hit as a result of it all. For dairy farmers, Minister, this is a tough position to be in. It is, MJ, it is a tough position to be in and um, it's a position we, we worked hard to try and avoid but unfortunately, our water uh, quality or water quality data from the last um, ten years or such has been going against us here, and that has made it very difficult to, and, and in fact, unfortunately, impossible um, to be able to maintain the 250 um, derogation that other member states have been had granted us up and up until now. Um, and it means it's a significant, it's a real impact on those farmers who who are farming between the 220 and the 250. Um, and we have about 7,000 farmers across the country who farm in derogation, which means that they're farming at, at higher than the 170 um, kilo of organic nitrogen allowed to be spread on a, on a hectare of land. That's what the, the, the derogation, uh, the, 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 that's the, the level that applies to those that are not in derogation. Um, for countries that are in derogation and then for farmers um, that are in the, the, the avail of it, you can spread more per hectare, and we've been able to spread up to 250 to now. Um, and 7,000 farmers have been between 170 and 250, but there's about three and a half, three, three and a half thousand who are, who are above the 220 and are going to be immediately impacted here from the start of next year in relation to that. So um, it's a challenging situation, MJ. Um, when, you're in, when you're doing as we do um, in terms of uh, ha- availing of a derogation, being one of three countries in the EU that have it, there's always that risk and that um, lack of certainty in relation to how it, you know, maintaining it into the future. And unfortunately, um, that has come to pass here in relation to our um, uh, EU now reducing us to 220 based on the fact that our water quality hasn't been improving. So um, that's a, a, a done, uh, a, it's done now and it's, it's in place. I had worked with farm organisations together all of their ideas uh, to put into a, um, a strong submission to the Commission, over um, which went in in August, and then I met the Commissioner at the very start of September to to make the request on behalf of our, our farming sector that that the Commission would put a, a statutory amendment to our derogation to allow us to actually keep the 250. But uh, the Commission have been very clear that that's simply not going to be possible. That that our derogation now is what it is up until it expires at the end of 2025. Um, and that their view is that the derogation we have is the highest limit any member state has in Europe and the most flexible one, and therefore it's simply not possible to amend it further at this point. So really the, the, the mission now, and the, the one that I'm determined to work with all farmers uh, and continue the hard work on, is to improve our water quality and make sure that we're in a strong negotiating position 
um, when it comes to the, the middle of 2025 to be able to renew our derogation for another four years and be able to keep um, what we have now because certainly we, um, in this current negotiation, this current four-year derogation we have, when we were negotiating it, um, the Commission and the, the, were pushing for the limits to be lower than what we actually ultimately secured. And um, to keep that 220 is going to be absolutely crucial um, into the future. And it's going to take us all to working hard and, and putting all of our collective shoulders to the wheel and everybody pulling their weight. And, and farmers are doing massive work in this regard uh, already. Um, but we have to keep at that now to make sure we keep the derogation to the future. Well, an issue, uh, Minister, in relation to this is that area. I mentioned it of slurry movement and how the rules were changed earlier in the year and the more highly stocked farmers who were exporting slurry to their lowly stocked neighbours. Look, the amounts of slurry that had to be had to be exported changed at the start of last year and they, they doubled in, in some cases. Look, that is what it is. It's, it's reasonable or can be dealt with. But the, uh, the issue which farmers are coming back to me with is the area of the P levels uh, being one, two or three, not being able to export slurry to those farms. But the real issue is the one where a farmer doesn't have a soil sample taken and he's deemed to be of level four. A lot of older farmers uh, won't have had soil samples taken because simply they're not really sure. A lot of this goes over their head. They would have been the lowly stock farmers that the highly stocked maybe dairy farmers next door would have imported into. And now we're in a position where that farmer can't take slurry because he doesn't have a soil sample done. He's deemed to be P level four. And that dairy farmer is going to be in a position now where they're either going to have to lease highly priced land which is impinges on the tillage sector or they're going to have to cull cows I, I don't really see anyone winning here and I just I don't think that's fair Minister that one if you don't have a soil sample taken you're deemed to be level four I just I, I, I think there's a there's an area there that's catching farmers unnecessarily yeah, well, I suppose, and this is a requirement on all of us in terms of um, how we manage nutrients, and it's a requirement, particular requirement on Ireland because we have a derogation that allows us to be able to spread much more uh, nitrogen on uh, organic nitrogen on the soil than other countries do. That in return for give, being given that higher um, limits, um, we do have to take a scientific approach in relation to how we manage. Um, that applying that extra and how we manage um, applying nutrients on soil to protect water quality. So we do have to follow the science and the data around that. So as as um, as we as those assessments and scientific tests are done, then the you have to make adjustments to to reflect reflect that. Um, and key really to how we uh, decide how much nutrients can go in soil is actually knowing the nutrients that are already there, and that's where soil sampling comes in and is important. So, um, and if we're to see improvements in water quality, it's important uh, we're spreading at the right time um, as needed so that the, sorry, the spread ends up growing grass and doesn't end up in water courses. And that requires very careful management by, by all farmers um, who, who are using um, uh, sorry, and using it or any type of fertilizer. So, so I've put in place lots of supports to support farmers in this um, soil, uh, soil uh, sampling, um, soil testing, national soil testing scheme, whereby we're supporting farmers and covering the cost of soil sampling. Um, and where it's easy, it's, it's, it's uh, easy and then practical for farmers to apply for it, and the soil sampling can then be carried out. But um, to, to know that you know that the soil that's going in the ground is actually ending up in growing grass or growing crops, not ending up in water courses, then we have to make sure that it's being applied in, at the right time and where it's needed. 
and um, and it's going to be important we continue that approach and work MJ because if not we'll see you know we won't see the improvements in water quality and if not that derogation which is really important to our farming system and which we have good reason why we have it because we do have the capacity to grow much more grass here and to use more nutrients in our climate than other European countries would have but it's all dependent on us improving water quality so that's a big challenge and a shared challenge for all of us um, and one that farmers are very much doing massive work on but it's important we continue that and uh, look to see how we can improve upon it as well um, to make sure we keep our derogation. I don't disagree, Minister, with uh, unnecessarily spreading fertiliser. And the National Fertiliser Database is something that's going to come in, or it's in, I should say, and it's going to stop people from spreading unnecessarily expensive fertiliser that they don't need. And uh, absolutely, we have to follow the science on it. It's just that area of, if you haven't a soil sample taken, that you're, you're deemed to be for. That, that is the one that's catching a lot of people. And I just genuinely, it's, it's not science, I suppose, when you're, when you're guessing the, uh, the P-level of, uh, yeah. of someone's farm. And that, that's really what's occurring there. But look, it is, it is what it is at the moment. The last one I'm going to leave you on minister is can i just have a word before you go please just given the weather the last couple of days uh the slurry spreading dates for this year um where are we at on those yeah so i, I have um the the department team uh, working in terms of doing the technical assessment that's required to assess the conditions that would be that have to be met to extend the slurry spreading um uh, season I, so and I've, um, I'll be giving an answer on that on Friday. They'll be coming back to me. So I'll be announcing what's possible there on Friday, MJ. Obviously, the, the message here is always that, you know, from the start of the year, farmers should be working to make sure that they're spreading the slurry early in the year. Um, it's important that farmers don't have slurry, uh, lots of slurry left in the tank as it comes to the end of the year because how we manage that slurry and when it's spread is really important to, to maintaining water quality. Um, we have had an unusually difficult year, though, um, from... You know, from July onwards has been very wet. We've seen the challenge on the ploughing championship site itself, and that's represented what's happened across the rest of the country the last few days. So I've asked the team to do a technical assessment of that, and we'll bring, have an answer on that and clarity and direction on that this Friday. Very good, Minister. I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here. I hope you have an enjoyable day tomorrow at the ploughing, and we will speak to you again on the programme. Many thanks. Thanks, MJ. Thank you. And that was Minister Charlie McConnellogue there, uh, who joined me over the phone. He couldn't join us live. He'd be back up in the doll for votes. And look, as you can see, water quality, water quality, water quality. That's what's coming across in all of the messages uh, there from the Minister. Now, we're going to shoot to an ad break. And coming up after the ad, we're going to have Francie Gorman and Martin Stapleton live here in our unit in Rathaneska. They are both running for the IFA president, which is taking place at the end of the year. So we're going to talk to Francie and Martin in just a moment. Stay tuned. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. We're broadcasting live from the ploughing in Rataneska with thanks to Midland Vet Limited. And we will be speaking to Tom Moore, representative from the local company, uh, towards the end of the hour. They have a special deal for us all over the course of this week. Uh, there's a special animal product deal, so stay tuned and you'll hear that in just a few moments' time. But before that, we have the IFA presidential candidates with Francie Gorman and Martin Stapleton. Uh, gentlemen, many thanks for joining me here in studio. Thanks MJ. Thanks MJ. Uh, so Francie, our listeners here in Leash Offaly Westmead are more familiar with you, uh, Leash man, uh, Martin, not as familiar with you, but you've joined me on the programme a number of times over the years. So we'll start off this evening and we will just introduce ourselves, a little bit on our background, type of farming we're doing, a little bit in our family backgrounds and uh, let listeners get a feel for who they will be voting for for the next IFA president. Uh, Francie, we'll kick off with yourself please. 
Yeah, I'm from Ballinacill in County Leash. I'm originally born in Spink. I'm uh, married to Kay O'Brien from Kilkenny. We have a little a little lad, Tom. I'm a sucker beef and sheep farmer. I farm about 130 acres of land. Um, farm more uh, going back eight or ten years ago, but was unable to compete in the marketplace for it. Um, so we had to consolidate what we're doing and cu- you know, cut our cloth to measure. And um, my wife Kay works in FBD Insurance in Port Leash. I've been involved in IFA for probably 25 years since uh, uh, Tom Parlin's time. Uh, uh, I can remember you know, the start of the beef blockade in his in his tenure in 2000. Um, I've been county chairman in Leash, uh, regional chair for the last three years, and I've served in various different roles in the organisation before that. Uh, very good, Francie. And Martin, same question to yourself, your own background, please. Yeah, well, I suppose I got into farming. Wanted, as a child, I wanted to be a farmer. Wanted, never wanted anything else. Left school, did a year in agricultural college, uh, came home farming worked in the Farm Relief Service to earn a few extra euros for myself, took over the farm in 1995 from, from my father uh, and we milk cows, a uh, dairy farmer um, and worked my way up along, we started off started off with 20 cows and worked my way up along uh, I think we put 164 cows through the parlour this morning, so we've worked hard to develop the enterprise um, and I think look, that's the opportunities that have come along the way, we've taken them I live in a part of the country where it's it's not impossible, I suppose, in, some, in comparison with some places, it's not impossible to, to develop and to grow. So I've availed those opportunities. And uh, my involvement in an IFA started, I suppose, I, I, in my time, in my youth, I served in Mokra. I was county chairman for a couple of years in South Tipperary. Uh, and after I finished in Mokra, I, di- I always, because I got to like that, I uh, got to like representing and, and making representations and the political side of it, I decided I want to get involved in IFA and I did in Limerick um, and after a few years I suppose with a young family I got involved, served, uh, represented Limerick on the Farm Business Committee and went from there, became chairman of the Farm Business Committee for four years from 16 through to uh, 2020 and I, and I have to say I, I really loved that job, the, the work that went with it, doing the taxation uh, the pre-budget submission the taxation and and, and the, the the request for subsidies for the different committees um, we were responsible for getting the first of the the low cost subsidised loans from SBCI um, but but I think the work that really um, that really challenged me and I got great satisfaction out of was the work I did with the people with the the non performing loans who got into a really difficult area because for the first time in this country the banks sold loans and. Uh, we had a, a cohort of farmers out there, well into the hundreds, who had loans uh, no longer owned by banks, but owned by, by the vulture funds, uh, a, a completely different environment. And we, we set, set to helping those, finding out exactly what the situation was. So I suppose, aside from that, the, the thing that's really important to say about it is, I'm married to Siobhan, uh, and we've three teenage kids, uh, Jessica, James and Vicky. Um, Good job you said that, Martin. I was going to have to give you a nudge here and write no, on a no, piece no, of paper. No, no, no. I was leaving the best the last every day. <laughs> and anyone helping you on the farm at home, Martin? Yeah, I do. I, I, we, we pay staff, but I suppose the difficulty now with the three kids is trying to keep them away because um, they come home on a Saturday morning or a Friday evening from after school 
and they, they, they fight over who wants the milk on a Saturday morning because that's their way of earning a few pounds. If you can keep that fight going, you'll be, you'll be going. I will well. be doing well, yeah. Uh, but look, both of you, Francie and Martin, look, you're both family farms, uh, both different sides of the coin. Francie on the, the, the beef side of things, Martin, you're on, on the dairy side of things. Uh, but as you say, your, your, your family environment's coming from uh, not uh, a million miles apart, really. Uh, you're standing for probably a lot of the same things in reality. I suppose, Martin, you're probably, look, because of the dairy background, you're going to be uh, a, a little bit more knowledgeable on the dairy side of things. And I'm just going to talk about that for a moment. I had Minister McConlogue on and the uh, derogation going from 250 to 220 it seems set in stone I see the likes of yourselves and ICOS and a number of the uh, lobbying groups are talking about going back and trying to revisit it he seemed very set in stone there uh, does it affect you on the home farm Martin are you in derogation are you under the 170 or how will it affect your, your, your own holding and is there anything we can do about it I'll be asking you the same question in a moment Francie so I'm in derogation I'm under the 220 so directly this, this change doesn't directly impact me. Uh, notwithstanding that, I understand the derogation is there and there's no guarantees of it being there going forward. I suppose I listened to the Minister there a few minutes ago and it's really disappointing after all of the lobbying that we've did, done for him over the last few days that he came out and he said there's only 3,000 farmers impacted by this change. The reality is the vast majority of farmers in this country, I've just heard Francie there a few minutes ago talk about how difficult it is for him to compete. Um, all sectors are going to be impacted here because of the challenge and, and, and uh, uh, the competition, the increased competition that's going to be there for land. And I think the sectors that are going to be particularly challenged are, or the sector that's going to be particularly challenged is the tillage sector, ironically, because that's the one government in the context of the environment is the sector they're most anxious to grow. So, like looking forward, um, I think you asked me, MJ, what was the future going to be? Um, I'd like to think that we in the IFA um, I'd like to think under my leadership in the IFA we'll be able to make a very strong argument that this derogation needs to stay. Uh, Ireland, as a dairy-producing pr- country and as a food-producing country, uh, has a different system of farming to everywhere else. We, we are a place where crops grow for the vast majority of the year, for up to 10 months in, in most parts of the year. And I think what we need to do is to have a, a, a specifically di- designed programme for Ireland to take into account that. And Francie, I'll move across to you. Same question in relation to our uh, derogation moving from 250 to 220. Look, the Minister, as I said to Martin there, he, he's pretty adamant on it. It's going to stick at the 220 regardless of any lobbying. And a lot of farmers are going to be affected by it. it, it it's a huge shock for farmers, Francie. I, I know they knew it was coming, but still farmers were just maybe um, pret- not pretending, but they were still farming as if it wasn't going to happen. It's after happening now, and it's going to happen in a few months' time. What do you say to those farmers, Francie? It's hugely disappointing, and and it, 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 it the department agreed to this in March 2022. Uh, with very no consultation with farm organisations, they announced it a month or six weeks later, and we've been lobbying uh, behind the scenes to try and get a, uh, this this decision reversed since then. And you know, along with the delay in payments uh, uh, that uh, were announced back in the spring, the cuts in the stocking rates and the derogation. We've been lobbying on this uh, intensely in the last fortnight or three weeks and to say it's not going to be reversed is a huge blow to everybody in the livestock industry because it's just symptomatic of policy at farm level. What they want, as far as I can see, it's a green agenda, it's to reduce stock numbers and they're using every possible avenue to do it uh, without bringing in what we call a cull to the national herd. They're doing it by stealth, they're using nitrates, they're using fertiliser reduction, they use banding, 
they're also going to use uh, you know uh, the proliferation of anaerobic digestion plants they say they want 200 of them around the country uh, there's a 1.3 billion forestry program there that will not be that money will not be accessed by ordinary farmers it'll be accessed by big business and if they incentivize ADE and if they incentivize forestry enough with big business it's going to tighten up the land supply it's going to be more economic for small farms to uh, to stay in business and this derogation affects everybody livestock uh, dairy uh, beef sheep tillage farmers pig and poultry depending on what part of the country you're in and uh, farmers who are in derogation and not and it's going to impose huge costs at farm level and processor level and it has to be reversed and anything anything less than this will not be a consolation to any farmer anywhere in the country uh, the question i'll put to, to both of you francie and martin is though realistically and we can beat the drum as much as we want here and we can say what we need and how it's going to affect profitability and how farmers are are going to to see it in their bank balance going forward and there's going to be a loss of jobs we can go on and on and on and on however these decisions are coming from europe we're here, we can lobby the minister, but at the end of the day, his hands, look, they seem to be realistically tied. Uh, he has to nod and he has to say, yes sir, three, three bags full, sir, to a lot of what comes from the EU. So Martin, is there anything we can actually do here other than complain? In reality, well, if, no. Jeff, if the minister's hands are tied, twist himself allowed him to be tied. This decision, as, as Francie has rightly pointed out, was taken two years ago without any consultation whatsoever. Um, there's no scientific evidence, none whatsoever, to suggest that a crude top-line cut of stocking rate is going to solve the, water, the, 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 the nitrous problem in the water. There's, there's a whole load of measures that are to be put in place by farmers over the last number of years, and not just dairy farmers. Across the board on all livestock farms, a huge number of measures have been put in place to mitigate against the effect of, of livestock in the countryside and, and the urea or the nitrates from, from those cattle getting into the water. And, and the minister has failed us incredibly by not allowing those measures to, and, to work. And they're going to move across to Francie. Do you echo those sentiments, Francie? Uh, I do, but I think there's huge responsibility here on our Taoiseach and our Taoiseach to get on the pitch as well. I mean, I speak to a lot of farmers and the, 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 the overriding um, message I get back from them is that they feel that this, is, uh, this policy has been driven by a green agenda with Eamon Ryan and that uh, uh, Leo Varadkar or Taoiseach and Tanish to Micheál Martin are just bound to every, every ask from, from the green side of the house to stay in government. And there's no scientific basis for it. We saw in a presentation by our chief economist, Ty Buckley, during the week that, you know, good drinking water, I think, is classed as uh, anything, anything under 50 milligrams of nitrates per litre of water. There's only 2.5% of our rivers in the country don't, uh, don't pass that test. And if you look at those results for other European countries, it's up in the, in the high teens and early 20s, probably averaging somewhere about 20% of rivers in Europe don't fit that, don't, uh, don't meet that standard. And we're continually listening to people about loss of biodiversity, poor water quality. We have the second best water quality in Europe. And there's a level of biodiversity in our farms. I did a, a train trip from uh, Brussels to Paris last year, and there's more biodiversity at home in my parish in Balnekilde than I saw on that 300-kilometre journey. So, like, we've got to get out there, make them points. Uh, we have a good story to tell in this country. Uh, the minister has been, you know, uh, weak on this issue, but to be fair... I believe the Taoiseach and the Taunishta are equally to blame on this as well. And the deal that was done by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael to win with the Greens sold out farmers. 
and on that I'm going to have to leave it there uh, to uh, Martin and to Francie I will have you back look hustings are going to start uh, in a month or six weeks time you'll be going around the country I'm sure you're going to be in Tullamore and that day we'll have you back in studio and we'll run through the really pertinent issues there and we'll we'll uh, we'll get on top of things but I will say many thanks to both of you Francie I know you're local but Martin you, you waited around to come in and join me here and you have to go back to Limerick so I'm going to say many thanks Martin and Francie and we will speak to you again on the programme Thanks, MJ. Thank you. Now, we are going to go to a commercial break, and after that, we're going to be speaking to Martin Walsh from Major Engineering, so stay tuned for that. Country Life at the National Ploughing Championships with Midland Veterinary, located in Edenderry, Port Arlington, and Tullamore. Visit midlandvet.ie. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Live from the Ploughing Championships in Rathanesca. With thanks to local business Midland Veterinary Limited. Servicing farmers all around the Midlands. And Tom Moore from Midland Veterinary is going to be speaking to me here in just a few minutes but in advance of that I have Martin Walsh from Major Engineering Martin many thanks for joining me here this evening thanks for having me MJ you're more than welcome Martin I, I popped down to you today and I had a look at your stand and I have to say and I'm not just saying it because you're sitting across from me Martin but it is a kind of a wow moment when you go down and you have a look at some of the equipment you're producing in County Mayo for the farmers of not only Ireland but of Europe and the world some absolutely incredible engineering Thanks very much, MJ. Yeah, we, we do our best. Uh, what caught my eye was, back in the day, Major, I always thought of green. Everything was green. Uh, mm-hmm. Green was kind of the brand colour uh, that, uh, if you want a piece of equipment, was green. But today, when I went down and was having a look, and we'll talk about your different pieces of equipment in a moment and what qualifies for TAMs and whatnot, but everything now is stainless steel or uh, hot-tipped, as I should say. And uh, it, it, it really does just show longevity, it shows quality, and it shows something that's going to be around for uh, not just today and tomorrow. Yeah, it, it, um, it improves the, the lifetime of the machine, definitely, and with the, the costs of machinery and one thing or another, that's very important in the market. Uh, the business, uh, Martin, major engineering, as always, as every business does, started from somebody's idea, and with an engineering business, it was usually somebody welding something or putting something together in a garage, and uh, it has grown and it has grown. But major has seen massive growth. 1967, you kicked off, and over 100 employees now, and uh, engineering, as I said, just some, some serious pieces of kit. Yeah, 1976. 76, yeah, apologies. Um, uh, uh, two brothers, John and Mark Murphy, started the business in Ballyhonas County Mayo in a village called Coonaha and uh, John's John has three of his children are now in the business John is still in the business on a day to day basis as well but three of his children Anya, Evelyn and Owen are involved as well and looking at the equipment there are TAMS grants and it was something I uh, had meant to get to speak about with Minister McConlogue earlier in the day there's an awful delay on it this year but that's not your fault Martin or anyone uh, involved in the selling of equipment um, there is a delay but you can still make your application for it there's a lot of machinery now that is falling under TAMS especially the low emission slurry spreading and uh, in that area Two of the pieces of equipment I looked at earlier when I was down in your stand were your slurry tankers, uh, one of those being your 2,000-gallon tanker. That'd be kind of your, your standard uh, mid-to-large-scale farmer's machine, I'm guessing. That's right, yeah. That'd be, uh, the 2,000-gallon would be very common. Your, your um, sort of 80 to maybe 150 cow man, things like that. A man who needs a machine just to do his own work. Um, 100, 120 horsepower tractor, that kind of customer and there's a lot of them out there absolutely any, any amount of them and uh, then if you're going up to that next level that next uh, scale 
I saw a 2,600 uh, gallon tanker and that's, uh, that's a serious machine. That's a serious machine. We'd have several steps in between, but it does kind of go, the, the main market goes from 2,000 up to 26. It'd be a huge seller. Um, that used to be mainly a contractor machine, but you know, there's a lot of large dairy people out there and beef people and a lot of slurry to be moved. Not much time to do it. And the 2,600 will be very popular. Uh, that farmer's machine, Martin, the 2,000 gallon uh, tanker, mm. give me a, a rough price on something like that. Um, inclusive of that, you're talking around the 40,000 mark, you know. Yeah, With and. The trailing shoe, fully galvanised, 800 tyres, well and finished. And that is a, a, a piece of equipment that uh, TAMS can be claimed on. Another uh, area which you're busy with is that of mulchers, uh, especially up, I suppose, look, in your part of the world, mm-hmm. there's going to be more of them sold than possibly down here. But we are seeing more and more farmers pop into the organics. And it is something that is very good at uh, rekindling land, especially if it's rushy or wet or yeah. if it just needs a, li- a little bit of um, TLC. There's huge interest in that. So organic farmers can get up to 60% non-organic on 40 for mulch. And whilst it's, it is very common in the West Coast with dealing with, with um, rougher ground and that, we found it here in the Midlands and the south of the country, a lot of tillage farmers are now sowing cover crops mm-hmm. and it's something that can deal with mulching those cover crops back into the ground to um, retain nitrogen and yeah, and again, again, a huge growth area. We huge see growth the, area. It's uh, just starting there, I think. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Massive push by the, by the government. Something on that's tillage. huge in other markets for a few years. And you um, can see it's just getting going here. But the cover crop thing, I think we'll see more and more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're also looking, again, it's something that's funded under organics. And that is your toppers. And... I suppose we saw dairy farmers over the course of the last number of years, maybe 10 years, all move into dis- to mowers for topping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the topper has still held itself in the market, and rightly so. I think there's always a place for a topper on, on a farm, including a dairy farm for that matter. But uh, one of your machines is your real farmer machine, an eight-foot side-mounted uh, topper. And I was looking at that today. It's a, it's a fine piece of kit, and it's something you're very busy with. Very busy with the 800 SM. It's always been one of our biggest sellers. Um, yeah, you're right. A lot of people did move to this moors. Some have moved back again. Mm. If you're a dairy farmer and you, you have a very good clean-out rate on your paddocks, there isn't much to top, so this moor is fine. Where you would have lower uh, clear-out rates, the topper tends to mulch and spread what it cuts much better and you get less patches and a better regrowth and all that. So the toppers have, have held their own and that 800 SM, there's a new model out, fully galvanised and all that. Again, and that's, that's a big, big seller. Toppers tend to rust a lot, a lot of old grass lying around on top of them, acidic and everything. So the galvanised is a huge thing. A lot of people that have them and have been happy back to buy the newer model. Yeah, and your price point on that uh, earlier on today, I was asking you, 6K plus VAT yeah. for your 8-foot side mounted. Uh, it's not too often I say it on the programme, Martin, but good value. Good value. We, we've a bit of stock left over after the season and we're doing a, a, a special here at the Plown. 6,000 plus to VAT to clear out the few machines we've left over. So if anybody's thinking of it, contact us. Uh, is there much of a move from the side mounted from the trail toppers or does it just depend on land type it, or it where you're farming? It depends on land type and it depends sometimes operators. A lot of um, maybe older farmers especially saying, oh, I like the trail machine, I can attach it really quickly. I, can, I don't have to be out putting on pins in and out of the tractor that can back up connected to the hitch and uh, they're out topping pretty quick so it's it's people's choices and, and land types and one thing or another like that yeah yeah, very good. Uh, Martin, you're here yesterday, you're here today, you're here again tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. How's business going? And not only that, how are the how are the legs and the feet after two uh, days of standing? 
Legs and feet are, are doing okay, holding up, and um, not as young as we used to be, so we, we take it a bit easier at night, we don't party. Hmm. But um, it, yesterday was a tough day, the weather was rotten, I think spirits were down a bit, but today it was, felt a lot better out there. Um, people are in good spirits, yeah, it's mucky and it's wet, but it's the ploughing and people get on with it and they're fairly resilient. And she kind of enjoyed it again today, it was, it was good, and look at tomorrow, we're kind of over the hump now looking forward to um, getting finished up and getting back home again and all of that and, and, and chasing up all those inquiries and seeing what's real and who's just wasting our time but yeah. that's part of the clown as well Exactly, that's part of, part of all of these events Martin, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me uh, must say I really enjoyed uh, speaking to you earlier today and having a look at the equipment thanks for coming down to us and I appreci- appreciate you too. waiting on it this evening thanks Martin No bother at all thanks everybody Okay and that was uh, Martin Walsh there from Major Engineering. And I'm going to move on now. Last section of this evening's programme, I'm going to speak to Tom Moore from Midland Vet Limited. Our programme this evening is proudly brought to you in association with Midland Vet Limited. So I have the man from County Leash, Tom Moore. Tom, many thanks for being our last guest this evening in a rainy Rathaneska. So again, thank you for coming in and joining us here on the programme. No bother at all. Thanks, MJ. Uh, you're a local man, Tom. You didn't have to come too far. Tell us a little bit about your background, please. No, thank God, no. I'm just farming outside of leagues. We're farming a mix of conventional and organic, I suppose. The, the parents' farm is conventional. I've diversified over to organic just to start of this year. So doing a bit of tillage and suckling there. So just wanted to try something different, be a small bit more sustainable and, yeah, diversify the farm a small bit. So we're more... Um, immune to, I suppose to prices and stuff like that exactly yeah diversification being the key Tom mm. you're the manager of the Port Arlington shop for Midland Vets uh, how are you finding it uh, in Port Arlington are the, the leash farmers coming in looking for the best deals possible at all time <laughs> no it's more the awfully farmers coming in giving me grief <laughs> for being the other side of the border but yeah, I'm in the hot seat there in Midland Vets in Port Arlington the last couple of months now and really enjoying it and really getting to know the local community and I suppose we do our best to give the farmers that come into us the, the best uh, options, I suppose, and the best prices to suit their budgets. And I suppose we're working in partnership with Grennans as well in, in Rat and Burr. So Grennans supply all our, our feed and Target supply all our fertiliser. And then we have all our own animal health products, which we, which we stock from Midland Veterinary in Tullamore, who do nationwide delivery, next day nationwide delivery and of agents all over the country as well so yeah we're, we're yeah, covering, covering the whole country you're ticking all the boxes uh, Tom and yeah you can be accessed on midlandvet.ie uh, and as you said you're helping farmers when they come in often in a position like yourselves Tom you're standing there you're behind the counter older farmer might come in he or she uh, as the case may be mightn't be 100% sure of what they're looking for and they do look for you for a piece of advice and uh, you are a bit of an, an all an oracle I suppose when you're working in a, in a shop or in a merchant like this you must enjoy helping farmers like that yeah, like that's that's the major reason for taking the job. I suppose you're dealing with farmers on a on a daily basis, and you're going home and farming, and you're talking to farmers all day. And I suppose it's nice to be able to advise them as best you can. Like you said, you get farmers, dairy backgrounds, beef background, sheep background of all ages, and at the end of the day, they're just looking for the the best advice to suit their budgets. And I suppose we have something for everyone in the store. 
Also, Sam, it's something we've featured on the programme over the course of the last year, year and a half, even at this stage, could be even up in two years, and the memory uh, is letting me down a little, but it's the legislation changing and being able to buy Dosen from your local merchant, and uh, we know that is about to change. We've gone into it in detail on the programme in the past, uh, but we won't go into it in detail now, but uh, you're kind of overarching thought on it. I, I presume you want farmers to be able to get the best deals possible? No, absolutely, yeah. I suppose I haven't been directly involved in Ollie Ryan, my colleague, has been working hard in the background um, to bring that into place and hopefully it'll benefit the farmers and merchants around the country as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about, uh, Tom. And you have a special for this week for the ploughing week and you're going to tell us what it is now for farmers who are interested in a good deal around the Midlands. Actually, we always have a good deal, but we have a special deal now uh, for the few days that's in it. There's a 10% off all animal health products in store uh, during the week. So get in and have a chat to us and, and we'll look after you as always. And it is the time of the year, Tom, coming up towards the back end of September, before cattle are housed. It is a time where farmers are anxious to ensure health is, is paramount. It might be a dose, might be uh, maybe purchasing a lice product for the winter, something like that. But they, they're going to be your sellers now going forward over the next couple of months. Yeah, and even outside of that, like we do a lot more. Like we do soil sampling, we do feed sampling as well. So if lads are interested in that, like we're, we're not just selling animal health products, we're, we're kind of ticking all the boxes there and sort. Yeah, very good, Tom. Uh, in safe hands, Midland Vet is in Port Arlington, no question about it. Tom, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here in studio. And as Tom said, all ha- animal health products have a 10% discount this week. You just have to say you were listening to Tom Moore on Country Life. Isn't that right, Tom? That's it. Thanks, Manion. Uh, very good. Many, many thanks, Tom. I'm going to finish off uh, this evening's programme now by thanking all of my guests who joined me here over the course of the last hour. Uh, Tom Moore from Midland Vet, who was speaking to me here for the last few minutes. Before that, Martin Walsh from Major Engineering, the County Mayo Company, also joined me here in our unit in Rattanesca. Uh, previous to that, Francie Gorman and Martin Stapleton, both men will be running for the IFA presidency. Uh, that has kicked off now, and they're going to be busy men as the year progresses. That vote is going to be on the 12th of December. We wish them both well. I will be speaking to them uh, prior to that vote. And also we had Minister Charlie McConlogue, who joined us at the start of the hour for about 10 to 12 minutes. His big push was on water quality, water quality, water quality. Uh, It was all he said. Uh, He's had a tough 10 or 12 days. But he said it in stone that the nitrates is not going to change. I know organisations are lobbying against it, but there's no change as a result of what he said to me today. That is it for this evening's programme and indeed for this year at the ploughing. I have to say I enjoyed myself and enjoyed the programme. I will be back with you next Wednesday evening at 7pm as always. The show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am until 8am and we are available wherever you get your podcast. You type in NJ space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. I'll say to you good night and God bless. We'll speak to you next week.